Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with Farbood Nivi, also known as Farb. Uh, he is currently the CEO and co-founder of CoinMine. Farb has been an entrepreneur for a very long time, ever since uh, you were you were in college, probably even before then. Uh, Farb, I'm going to hand it over to you. First of all, I just love to know, like, why uh, did you start? building businesses like when did you start and what was the initial reason why you actually started you know becoming an entrepreneur uh i started pretty early in in high school was my first venture basically building computers for friends and family so i guess for me it's always been something that's part of who i am i kind of think being an entrepreneur is a bit of an uh, itch that you have to scratch you either sort of have it or or don't have it and you know it's not something that i necessarily think everyone should strive to do uh, but if you have the bug it's kind of tough to do anything but that uh, if that makes sense yeah i i think it definitely does and i mean it's just, it's similar to you know many of the other people that we've had on the podcast but i think uh the the specific reasons have been different so some people really needed you know a way to make income because they they didn't have much or or they wanted to you, you know they were just really into a particular thing like they they just loved building like for for your case they you were building computers some people just really loved you know doing something like a like running a minecraft server or or things like that what was it for you? Was it just the love of actually, you know, building those computers? Or was it more so that you wanted to actually start a business and, and perform a service and get paid for it? I, I think I tweeted something along these lines about how there's very little difference, in, in my opinion, between, uh, you know, art and, and technology. So I've also always been an artist, a musician, uh, you know, visual artist, you know, like painting and stuff in, in high school. Uh, writing music, playing music uh, my whole life. And I, I think entrepreneurship and, and technology and, and product are, are, are forms of art. So from my perspective, it's, it's sort of the, the, the need to create, uh, the need to be creative. Uh, I, love, I love to collaborate with other people. I, I studied filmmaking. I did some filmmaking. I, I, you know, to me, a, a startup and a film are in a lot of ways very similar. To, to be an entrepreneur, to be a great entrepreneur, you have to be able to tell great stories. All, all, all these pieces, it's, it's highly aesthetic. You have to have uh, judgment, just like when you're creating a piece of art. It's just really all about your judgment more than anything else. Uh, there's the skill involved, you know, in some medium, uh, just like there's skill involved in being an entrepreneur. Maybe you know how to do Facebook ads really well. Uh, maybe you know how to do a certain type of painting very well. Uh, and so there's skill involved. But the most important thing, I think, is is judgment. Uh, you know, when you look at the great works of art, it's not necessarily the, the skill that people love them for. It's, it's sort of the choices that were made uh, and the judgment behind it. And I think the same behind a business. Uh, you know, lots of people can, you know, make cake, uh, but how you're you know, bakery decides to do it is going to be unique to you. Uh, so I think it's very much like an artistic and creative process that attracts me to it. Gotcha. So my follow up was actually going to be since it sounds like you're really you really love technology, you really love building products. 
I was just I was going to ask, and then you kind of answered it. I was going to ask why not just work at another company, you know, in a high up position where you can actually, you know, build, you know, you could spend your entire day building the product or you know focusing on the technology. But then it sounds like what you really want is to be able to shape things kind of exactly how you imagine it. So I guess the only way to really do that is to start your own thing or or to be the CEO uh, of a company where you actually you know have control. Is is that kind of the right thinking behind um, why you decided to, you know, be a founder rather than work at a company where you could have, uh, you know, more time to actually um, do the stuff that you enjoy doing, like working on the product and technology? In the end, I'm I'm a product person, but but I'm also, I think I specialize in being a generalist. So I think the, you know, the company building process is something that I I love a lot, maybe just as much as product or almost as much as, as product. Uh, you know, just doing product in my head is a little bit, you know, from my own perspective, just me being selfish if I was just doing product because, you know, I, I, I love it. But there's other things that I, I think I could do uh, at the company level. And uh, even if I was working at a, another company, I'd, I'd probably have a tough time just sticking in a product role. I'd probably start itching my way and inching my way around into more responsibilities Gotcha. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's super fascinating that the, the way your mindset works and how you're like hearing your description of why you love entrepreneurship. People traditionally wouldn't assume that you know you're you're a startup CEO. They would assume you're you're an artist. But I guess like it is two very similar things. It's and it's really all about how you actually run your company. So to transition over to what you're working on right now, so CoinMine, um, for everyone out there who might not be familiar with with CoinMine, tell us kind of you know when you started it and uh, what exactly uh, does it do. Yeah, sure. I'd say the last thing I'd say is you know entrepreneurship or building you know create creative new companies i think is a uh, the intersection of art and and, and a spreadsheet basically uh, that, that, <laughs> that that's where the, ma- the magic happens uh you know another great great jobs quote is you know real artists ship um and so that's that's how jobs looked at it too right but they, they were basically being artists yeah uh, but they ship as in they're also a business right so it's it's at the intersection of where technology meets humanity is kind of where my obsession is. And so you're asking about CoinMine, right? Yeah. <laughs> at CoinMine, we're we're sort of focused on the crypto space. Uh, the CoinMine One is is a crypto device. Imagine an Xbox that turns your electricity into Bitcoin. You just plug it in. Uh, you connect it to Wi-Fi with our app, uh, and it starts making you Bitcoin or other types of crypto. Uh, essentially turns your electricity into computation. You share that computing with the network and the network pays you in its token. So um, you can make Bitcoin, you can make Ethereum, uh, you can make a few other coins. Uh, We take care of all the wallets for you. It's literally plug and play. Uh, And then there'll be new services and new coins that we add. You'll be able to earn interest on your crypto, uh, send it and receive it from other people's wallets, uh, a whole bunch of cool things. Gotcha. So, what? Uh, let's let's kind of go back. Like, why did you end up starting CoinMine when, um, you know, there are other mining uh, tools? For I know that there aren't any that do exactly what CoinMine does. But when you were just envisioning this, what led you to want to create something uh, like this and put it out there? For me, it seemed like the perfect opportunity for the things I love. So. 
It's the intersection of technology and humanism. So crypto uh, and crypto's mission and Bitcoin's mission really strikes deep at the heart of w what it is to be humans and to have a society and how we want to st uh, structure uh, our society and run our society. Um, and then when you consider that there were no, uh, you know, consumer level experiences to power crypto networks, uh, all, all the, the only consumer level stuff that was really happening uh, was around wallets and uh, it was, you know, happening around exchanges. Uh, and uh, it, it kind of seemed like this perfect opportunity if you kind of think of what, you know, uh, folks like Apple and Dell and Gateway and, you know, those early computer companies were trying to do. Uh, you could always make a computer in your house, but it would take a lot of time and knowledge. And, you know, time is money. It turns out if you built computers for people, uh, a lot more people would buy computers than we ever thought uh, because they weren't going to spend the time. Uh, learning how to, and even if they knew how to, it still takes a lot of time to do. So, you know, that was the, the it, when we sort of, uh, my co-founder, Justin, who's a great designer, industrial designer in particular, uh, he actually came up with the idea of, you know, let's make a, what, what if Apple made a crypto device? You know, we're, we're both huge Apple fanboys. Yeah, I was actually about to say, it looks like Apple made this, just aesthetically. It's it's white, roundish edges, super clean. Right, yeah. And we wanted the experience to be like that. And and, and so far, it seems like it's working. People, uh, a lot of people have said it's the easiest hardware setup they'd, they've ever done, you know, crypto or not. Wow. You literally plug it in, open the app, type in a little ID code, uh, connect it to your Wi-Fi, and you're, and you're done. So it was just like this incredible opportunity. I thought, you know, from my perspective of, I, I love to create, take uh, complex things and make them simple uh, and useful and, and, and fun, as, as Brian Nor Norgard puts it. Um, and uh, this seemed like a great opportunity, maybe once in a lifetime, that there was going to be a, a technology as important as blockchain and crypto, uh, where I might be, you know, the first or one of the first to, to be able to consumerize it. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for everyone out there who, who might not be familiar with the actual product, I'm looking at it. It is essentially, you know, on, on the, the main, the homepage on the website, it is this CoinMine One standing on a shelf next to, you know, just an iPhone, a plant, uh, ski goggles. I guess like, you know, from, from kind of digging into it a little bit, it seems like the play is essentially turning what used to be seen as something that regular people didn't do mine cryptocurrencies um i feel like most people actually don't f even fully understand how you mine a cryptocurrency and f those that do you know requires uh very very specific computers and, and machines that kind of just sit there all day um take up a lot of electricity uh make a lot of noise sometimes take up a lot of space um and that's really the alternative uh in in the market so when you come in or, or you and your team and, and create this new device, what kind of a reception did you get in the crypto community uh, when this thing first came out? Uh, anything and everything you could imagine. Yeah. We, we had a, a, a ton of positive reception. I'd, I'd say way more positive than negative. But I, I think, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy about this. If you, if you make something out there on, on, on the edge... Uh, a lot of people will love it, and, and and a bunch of people will will talk trash about it, and and we had some of that too. But 
you know, that's that's just the mark of, I think, you know, doing something that people take notice and d- doing something that isn't vanilla. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I can understand the positives. What were some of the negatives that, that you know, were, were thrown at you because of you introducing something like this into the market, which is very, very different from uh, the standard way of, of uh, how crypto is mined? Well, you know, when people are negative on online or I think in general, uh, when you're negative externally, it's because you had something negative internally going on. Uh, you don't really act externally negative without first being internally negative. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times people are being negative in, in the way that the, in the style in which they're they're communicating something. Uh, but the point itself is either just either, you know, incorrect or misunderstood. So, you know, the negativity is it, it wasn't really around, uh, uh, I think, very good negative points about the product. The negativity was more like people's sty- stylistic uh, style was, was negative. Yeah. The points that people were making were either they just didn't get themselves educated on the product before they started making their point, which is pretty normal, <laughs> especially online, or, or they just misunderstood it. Uh, so, for example, you know, some, some people are like, oh, you can, uh, you can make a coin mine for half the price. Uh, and it's like, okay, you're just taking into consideration the cost of the parts of the device. But that's not what the total cost of ownership of something is. And that's not how you calculate what things cost if you're a business. The amount of time a person would have to spend building a device like a coin mine is, you know, hundreds of hours. Even it takes my, it takes, you know, a team of software developers hundreds of hours to build it all. So how could somebody else <laughs> build it at home uh, it, with anything less than hundreds of hours of, you know, software development and things like that? Uh, and and even if you're patching things together from off the shelf stuff, it just takes a lot of time. Uh, and so even if you were you know calculating your time at twenty bucks an hour, um, you could never make something that does what a coin mine does for less money. Just like you can go and make a computer, right? You can make a gaming computer. A lot of people do it, uh, but a lot more people buy gaming computers. Even though you can make a gaming computer, you know, for half the price sometimes uh, of of buying one. People don't want to spend 50 or 100 hours building something. And it's actually even worse in crypto because new cryptocurrencies come out. They get updated. So you actually have to keep endlessly doing it. I think some people sort of misunderstand how to calculate, you know, the total cost of ownership of things and and how to, you know, run the numbers. Uh, And then maybe they were also very negative in their style. Uh, But I think this is a combination of negative style and misunderstanding uh, of content. Yeah, that that's a good point, and and also to go back to the Apple reference that you made, like Apple doesn't make computers for gamers, um, the same way that I don't imagine you know Coin Mine is for someone running a cryptocurrency mining farm. Right, um, that's right. Like, well, yeah, exactly. So this- like AWS is not built on a bunch of Macintosh laptops and servers, right? AWS, Amazon's AWS uses massive, insane servers that they run and probably at this point are basically building themselves. So that's, you're exactly right. So if Amazon AWS is like a mining farm, we're kind of making the the Apple version for consumers. Yeah. And, and, and so what do you envision this going to, right? So imagine a world where, um, I don't want to say everyone, but thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are mining 
cryptocurrency where do you see do, do you actually see the fact that there are so many people all mining are like kind of increasing the, the price just because you know the more people want it the more um demand there's going to be the 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 supply is going to remain the same is that a factor or was that a factor when you created this that you know as more people start to mine the price will kind of naturally start going up it's too tough to predict a lot of those things i think for me at least if you i think if you zoom out uh, at, a, at a higher level uh, the amount of computation that the world is going to need is just going to keep increasing uh, so we obviously use way more computation today than we did five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago and that's just going to keep going up uh, crypto in the end and blockchain is, is a type of computation uh, and so any type of computation needs to be done on hardware it needs electricity to power it uh, and today since all of it's connected to um you know internets uh the ability you know to sort of send that information around is is also pretty critical uh which is why these platforms are built as sort of decentralized protocols um so where i think it's going is that there's going to be more crypto protocols potentially uh some will die more will be created uh they will need more and more computation to run some of them need to run on decentralized and distributed computation. Some of them don't. Um, so I, I think the sort of total opportunity and total, you know, addressable market of computation that the world's going to need is just going to keep increasing. Crypto will be a part of that. Uh, we'll be a part of that. Um, and I think it's a situation where, you know, rising. It's one of those things where, you know, betting on uh, market team or uh, what is it? Product. Uh, you know, slash idea bet on the market. Uh, and, and this is, a, I think, an example of where, you know, rising tides will uh, lift all boats. Interesting. So, uh, I, yeah, I feel like it's very kind of heavily dependent on what happens in, in the markets and in the future. But it, it sounds like, you know, the way you're positioning it, you, you have an option for success kind of dependent on m multiple different factors. And also one thing I'm just curious about is currently the uh, the cryptocurrencies that you can mine uh, using CoinMine are Bitcoin, Ethereum, Grin, and Monero. How do you actually decide which coins you're going to support on the platform? Uh, and Zcash, and you're correct. And so the way we decide right now is uh, we're, we're a little bit uh, picky. Uh, we pick protocols that we think, you know, meet a, meet a bar. One One way to think about it is you know, almost uh, how close to Bitcoin are they uh, in their structure? Yeah. <laughs> Was there a pre-mine? Is there a ICO? Is there a founder's reward? Those aren't necessarily disqualifying things. We have Zcash and Monero and those have, uh, you know, some of those have sim similar models like founder's rewards. But obviously the, the technical foundation, uh, the sort of ethos of the protocol uh, we're planning on adding Handshake coming up soon. Uh, we're looking at several other coins. Uh, we may also launch what we call sort of a pro mode, where you can, you know, be a little bit, you know, can switch yourself into pro mode and access a whole bunch of more protocols. Uh, ones that, you know, you should know a little bit more what's going on before you start jumping into those coins mm -hmm. versus ones that we feel kind of comfortable sharing with our general customer base that is, isn't going to be super crypto savvy. Yeah, is is that promo essentially going to be like a monthly subscription that that someone would pay, kind of on top of um, 
after they originally purchased the coin mine? We haven't decided yet. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot more that I want to talk about in, in terms of coin mine, but I feel like, you know, one thing that we really have to talk about when we talk about your uh, entrepreneurial journey is that you, uh, one of the companies you, you had started was uh, called Grocket. And another thing I noticed is that you spent, you know, a very long time in, in the education space, um, in, in ed tech and, you know, really focused on products that help people learn. And, and you were a teacher and, and a director at different test prep organizations. I just kind of want to bring it back there for, for a minute or so and just, you know, talk about your experience there. What led you to actually pursuing, you know, education and, and then moving into education technology? You know, that's a good question. I started doing all that stuff in college because uh, I in- enjoy it and paid well, and it was really flexible. Uh, then I did. Then I did a lot more of it uh, in, in my twenties, and ended up, you know, doing it basically full time, writing curriculum, uh, all all, the, all those things. Um, you know, educating is a lot of storytelling as well, um, and it's uh, figuring out how to make complex things simple, which is really the exact same thing is that I, I, I do uh, with product development uh, is the same thing with trying to figure out how to teach someone something uh, is how, how do you take something complex and, and make it very simple. You know, that's kind of how that started. And uh, Rocket was an online learning platform where students taught each other. Uh, and so I've always kind of also been obsessed with this idea of, you know, decentralization in general uh, and having systems that are self-sustaining uh, learning systems uh, uh, or teaching systems and organizations, they, they call it. Uh, so in my classroom, I developed a model where students basically taught each other. Grokit was a similar model. Students taught each other online. Uh, and then we used machine learning on the back end uh, to help optimize the situation. Uh, and basically what you could achieve is that, uh, you know, uh, Students that score really highly and students that score score really low on an exam, for example, uh, when they work together, you you make them both better at it. Because the one teaches the other, and then by default they get better that way. And so we were able to prove that, and we you know published a paper on that. And so I kind of love this idea of you know crypto is kind of like this notion. You know, it has that same sort of decentralization ideas. How do you get a system to sort of self-sustain and not need a centralized authority, whether it's a you know classroom or a monetary system? And one of the things that I think is super cool about uh, about that story is that you worked at Kaplan um, as you know, you know as an academic director, and then you ended up starting Grocket, and then you know six years or so into into Grocket, you ended up actually selling that company to Kaplan. Could you talk a little bit about like what what was that experience like? Like, did you have that plan and the uh, like when you were starting off, or did you ever think you would you know end up selling your company to this you know major company uh, just a few years later? You know, you never think so. It's just, you you imagine I think a lot of different scenarios. That was probably you know one of many things that we'd imagined. Didn't really think it would you know turn out that way. Uh, it it was great. Kaplan was great to work with in the acquisition. Uh, and it went super smoothly and it was exciting to be able to do that and see the technology keep going. Although I think they've subsequently wound it down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, I was actually looking into that. Um, uh, did you kind of like remain, uh, maintain any relations 
like after the acquisition kind of like did you have any input at all into into like what happens with the company or was it pretty much just in Kaplan's hands at that point it was pretty much just in Kaplan's hands at that point and right after you ended up actually starting another uh, education uh, company called Learnist so it looks like you're still working on that could you speak like what does Learnist do? Did I not update my LinkedIn or something? No, Link Learnist was wound down like a you know, few year, years ago now. Um, oh, all right. Whoops, never mind. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't CEO at, at Learnist uh, up to at least the last couple until the last couple of months. I was the uh, chief product officer at Learnist, uh, really, and uh, that was a great experience. We got to uh, my designer and I, in particular, and great friend Asher Hunt. Uh, we got to spend a lot of time with uh, Apple's design evangelists and design leaders uh, during Learnist. Uh, they sort of uh, noted us as a as an app that they wanted to work with, and so uh, we got to go in, uh, work with the you know top design people at Apple on our app. It was kind of like a surreal experience. Wow, you were selected like because of the app from the App Store. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We had, you know, many sessions. We were emailing back and forth with them. And they really, you know, they, you know, they don't come in and necessarily suggest that you change your app inside out, although they, although they can, if they feel like that's the thing for them to say, but they really do improve it is, you know, not surprisingly. And, and these are the people who are literally writing the human interface guidelines at Apple. Uh, so yeah, uh, then after that, you know, not surprisingly, you end up getting featured quite a bit. Uh, because they love the app, because they helped, you know, they, they've had input on it. Yeah, a little biased over there. Yeah, and then um, they ended up naming it, you know, one of the 40 iconic apps of all time during like one of the uh, App Store anniversaries, wow. which was crazy. So uh, from a product person's perspective, that was super cool to be able to experience, and it was a real, real honor. What was the biggest thing that you learned uh, from that experience and from working with the people, you know, high up at Apple that you can share with anyone listening who might be working on an app of their own? Yeah, you know, those, those are great questions. I, I think the most important thing is, uh, and, I, and I think they'd tell you the same thing, is that everything is context dependent on your app. Break whatever rules you want, you know, quote unquote rules ar around design. Just have a reason to do it. Uh, so, you know, that and don't ever use hamburger menus. They really, really hate hamburger menus. What 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 is the hamburger menu? The hamburger menus, like you know, they're everywhere. It's just like the three lines on top of each other. Oh, okay. Really? I uh, I'm actually a fan of those. Yeah, they don't <laughs> like that. Well, you know, if you notice, Apple no Apple app has that. The a Apple apps use their, the navigation is in the is in the footer is in the uh, the footer bar. Huh? Yeah, I feel like. Until you really work on design and, and are a product person, you don't notice these types of things. I feel like, and until maybe some of a lot of us do, but we don't actually focus on it. And, and recently I've been trying to just personally like think about things from a, a different perspective. Like when I see something, I, I, you know, force myself to ask like, why is this here? Why is this button here? Why is that button there? And, and you kind of just start learning a lot just from, you know, viewing things that way. Um, you know, we've we've got a really good understanding of 
kind of your background, your your experience within technology, within you know starting different companies, uh, to bring it a little bit back to to CoinMine and and the venture that you're working on right now. Could you just let everyone know, you know, what's this is this company is fairly new. You're only you're under a year and a half uh, old. Let everyone know what kind of traction you've you've had so far and what the next say you know six to twelve months are are looking like. Uh, so you know we. L- we uh, launched the end of last year. We started shipping at scale uh, just in April. Uh, we've been growing pretty quickly since then. We don't really share share numbers publicly, uh, but you know, monthly sales have grown many times over just over the past few months. So uh, things are growing quickly. Um, got a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, more coins were launching. Uh, more services. Uh, we'll launch a service where you'll be able to earn interest on the crypto that your device creates. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So basically, you know, you plug this thing in, uh, it starts making you Bitcoin, uh, but then it earns more Bitcoin on that Bitcoin. And there's a lot of really cool things you can do with decentralized finance. Uh, one, one idea that we're sort of kick, kicking around uh, is basically uh, based on this um, thing called pool together. Uh, and the way pool together works is it's a no loss lottery. So basically everyone who's got a coin mine, you know, they're running their coin mines, they're earning all this crypto. Uh, each week you could enter your crypto into a no loss lottery. Uh, and the way that works is we pool everybody's crypto together uh, and we put it into something like compound finance where you earn interest on that crypto. Uh, so we put it in compound finance yeah. for a week. Uh, and then one person wins all the interest. Uh, and everybody else gets their money back. Awesome. I, I'm actually, personally, I love those kinds of concepts. Um, I first heard it, heard about it with the, uh, I think it was like a savings account or savings program or the, instead of people kind of just, you know, having their money go nowhere or spending it, you put it into a savings account and, and it would do the exact same thing. The interest would just be divided. You wouldn't, most people wouldn't make anything, but at least they weren't losing anything. That's, I'm just a huge fan of that. That's super cool. What? What was the idea behind it? Like what, from your perspective, why did you think that would be good to implement this uh, for for this particular situation? Oh, like a, like a no loss lottery? Yeah. I mean, because I feel like already there's so many benefits. Like why adding this on top of it? Like what's, is, was, was there some kind of a special incentive? It's still more in the, we're kicking around this idea phase. We haven't, we haven't necessarily green, greenlit that particular idea. Uh, but we will we will do something around at least one thing around you know earning interest on your uh, on your crypto uh, and and really the the services part is 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 a big part of everything and and having access to cool things like that and uh, cool cool parts of decentralized finance and, uh, and and the future of money that's really a big part of CoinMine is to make all of crypto easy uh, again we think about it in Apple terms it, you know there's hardware there's software and there's services. So uh, that fits onto the services side of that worldview, that framework. And uh, just to get a little bit more context, so you've talked about how your sales are growing. What does your customer look like? For for everyone out there who is listening and they're wondering, you know, who's buying this? Who is actually primarily buying this product? Yeah, that's a great question. Mostly it's people who are new to crypto. Uh, a, A lot of people who, you know, know about crypto have some crypto but a lot of people for whom this is their first step into crypto because it's easy it's understandable it doesn't require technical knowledge uh it's low risk uh 
So a lot of a lot of new people to crypto, which is you know what we were hoping for. Yeah, and I guess you know it. it, it you're not even in competition at all with uh, with with the old ways of of mining. You're it's it's a new class to attract new people because personally, I've looked into uh, crypto mining, and then when I really think about it, do I want to spend you know that much electricity? Set this whole thing up in in my in my house? Like not really. Um, but where something like CoinMine comes into play, would I just you know make a one-time, you know, fairly large purchase, nothing crazy, but spend a decent amount of money on this. Um, and then just use an app to essentially make, you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks a month. Um, it's definitely much more reasonable and, and something that, you know, actually is, can be, you know, a serious consideration. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's super interesting because, you know, CoinMine along with other companies who are always trying to get new people into crypto, I feel like there's just so much growth because right now it's, I feel like everyone knows about it, but there aren't that many people in it. And the more people you get into it, obviously the the larger everything grows. So it looks like the next you know few years are are just going to be really exciting for for this space. And uh, um, definitely interested, you know, and obviously you are as well in, in seeing where this goes. Farb, I, I just want to say you know thank you again for for agreeing to do this. Uh, you've had a super interesting entrepreneurial story. There's there's a ton that. You know, people can learn from kind of a bunch of different things that you have said, you know, the way you think about starting a business, the way you think about building products, how you think about entering a new market. If you could just leave everyone out here with one piece of advice um, about, you know, someone who is either starting a business, maybe in the earliest stages or, or someone who is thinking about starting a business, just one piece of advice to guide them in their own entrepreneurial journeys. I'll go with the first thing that came to my mind. If, if you got to stick to one thing, uh, listen to your gut. And I'm hardly the first person to, to say this. I think, you know, Bezos says this and, and, and lots of people say this, but you're, you're going to constantly doubt yourself. You're going to constantly uh, second guess yourself. Uh, but if you listen to your gut, you can at least refine how good your gut is. You're, the other way of doing things is intellectualizing them, right? And you can always intellectualize things one way or the other. Uh, and in fact, we even have a term for it, you know, like over intellectualize, right? Yeah. So your brain, your, int your intellect can be both right and wrong. Uh, and it can also lie to you and tell the truth. Whereas your gut can't really lie to you. It can only tell you the truth. It could be right. It could be wrong. Uh, but your gut can't lie to you. Uh, and we don't even have a term for it. That, like you over gut over gutized it <laughs> so your mind can trick you and lie to you but your your gut can't really lie to you but it can be wrong so at least if you know if you if you can't decide if you can intellectualize this way or that way uh follow your gut and learn learn about your gut in the worst case if you're wrong i i actually i feel like the fact that you just said that made me kind of reflect on my entire life because <laughs> You know, indecisiveness is, is always one of those things that I think, you know, affects me all the time and it affects a lot of other people. And when you when you're making a decision and you're thinking about something, uh, you can, you know, weigh the pros and cons. You can do as much research as, as possible as you possibly can. But you're always going to have that gut feeling like what you're talking about that just steers you one way. Kind of no matter what happens, if all the facts are leaning, you know, right and, and you your gut's like leaning left, um, I just feel like guts don't like the gut feeling doesn't change. And, you know, I've always thought about it as, you know, maybe my gut's wrong. Maybe I should, you know, be more rational, make decisions that way, which 
you know, has its own merits, but I think that, you know, especially when it comes to decisions that aren't super important, you know, something that's not life changing, listening to your gut and just learning, is my gut right? Is my gut wrong? Will really help you out because if your gut's wrong 10 times in a row, I feel like you have to do some serious thinking and like, no, not to listen to it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You might just say, I have this gut feeling, but I'm always going to do the opposite. And I don't know. It's that's that's super interesting. I, I really like tr- you start. You know, it sounds cliche. Listen to your gut, but when you really dig into it, and like the, the reason that you gave, I think it makes a ton of sense. And for everyone out there, you know, if you're dealing with a decision, you know, it's been days, weeks that you're, you're anguishing about it. Listen to your gut. Worst case scenario, you just learn something. Best case scenario, you're glad you did it. Um, so awesome, Farb. And right before you go. Uh, give a shout out to to CoinMine. Let everyone know where they can find it and where can they get the uh, the app. Um, and also, if uh, someone wants to connect with you personally, where is the best place for them to do so? Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm just uh, at Farbood on Twitter. F A R B O O D Farbood, my first name. And uh, CoinMine is just CoinMine on Twitter and CoinMine.com. Uh, so uh, come by. Uh, we like we love chatting with customers. Thank you so much, Farb. Uh, This is a really great uh, experience talking with you. Likewise. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Even share it with your friends if you found the lessons valuable. We do the show every week, so stay tuned for more episodes. And till next time.